This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Well, if you could open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, that'll be where we find our scripture this morning. And as we turn there, I uh, heard in our, our singing this morning how we've been set free. And our, our message this morning is going to be kind of what we decide to do with our freedom and our living hope. And we might see the title gossip and the opposite and wonder, I wonder if this one's for me or if it's for those other people. Um, I would encourage you that uh, we've, we've got really a lot of areas that are, are going to be touched on in the message. And, and we have a lot of needs um, that are going to be addressed right in this one verse here in Ephesians. And, and one of them is the fact that our hearts are constantly at battle with our old nature and set free to do something better, but we sometimes succumb to the old ways. And so when we, we know the Bible promises that when two or three are gathered um, in the name of Christ, he's here with them and we're worshiping him here. And we think of, of God being in our presence. How do we want to be in his presence? Don't we want to uh, be considered righteous? Don't we want to be set free from the things that entangle us and burden us? So we want to understand that when we talk about gossip and the opposite, we're talking about speech, but we're also talking about the heart. It's one of the best indicators of what's going on in our heart. And so the, so the, so the encompassing message is really going to give us indicators um, of how closely uh, we're walking in communion with God. The second need we have for a message like this today um, is that our church body is constantly being tested. And so we've made a lot to do about what 2020 looked like, how divisive there, um, uh, how how many divisive things are out there in society, whether it's political or social or medical or all these things um, tend to divide us. And the way that process of dividing works is through the things that we say and the way that we treat each other and the way that um, we spread <laughs> our speech around. And so we want to make sure that we stay united. And church unity is a big theme in our message today. And that being said, I want to say uh, to all of you that when I hear the leadership here at our church talk about um, the challenges of 2020 and the way that it strains the relationships of the church. We, we always reflect on how admirably Alliance Bible Church has, has done in being unified and being healthy and, and, and looking out for each other. And so uh, we see the need that's going to continue in the days ahead and the seasons ahead, um, but we're also affirming uh, in a positive way what we've done so far in this past year. And the third need we have for a message like this is that a unified church 
It needs to be healthy together in order to reach the world with the gospel. And so here at ABC, we have the vision of, of captivating generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're going to see in this message how important it is um, from this verse uh, that a unified church can reach that vision. And um, as an example of why those three needs can play out. I know um, in past sermons in the past year, you've heard the story of the 12 spies uh, in Numbers chapter 13. They went out to see the promised land. And what happened? Ten of them had fear in their hearts. They had unbelief. They didn't cling to God's promises. And so when they saw the challenges ahead, they, came, they, they, just, they just decided to think of themselves and preserve themselves um, and, and not follow after the opportunities of God. And through their speech, they spread a bad report. And that bad report just poisoned the, the whole nation of Israel at that time. And as a result, the nation of Israel, which was supposed to be a holy priesthood to reach the other nations wasn't able to fulfill their mission at that time. So it goes from the individual heart, spreading amongst the body, and thwarting the mission. Those are the three reasons we need to hear a message like this this morning. So follow along with me. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And what we want to do is just kind of go word by word through these three phrases. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And as we explore this, we want to see what is unwholesome talk? What is gossip? Okay, Paul is writing throughout chapter 4 of Ephesians. He's writing a letter, and he's showing the positive behavior and the negative behavior. Okay, so it's gossip and the opposite. We see that he doesn't want any unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth, and this is a broad category. Okay. It's slander, lying, accusation, misinformation, things that we can easily identify as evil, probably things that we don't fall into. But the gossip is something we can fall into. Gossip is something that is a subcategory of what Paul is explaining as unwholesome talk. And gossip is a regular challenge throughout the New Testament churches. When we see the, uh, the letters in the books of the New Testament being written, uh, the authors are constantly trying to correct and make adjustments to make a church healthy um, in spite of those who are speaking against things and in a negative way. We also see that gossip is mentioned frequently in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is giving wisdom for living, and those who gossip have these negative consequences, never spoken of positively. We also see that gossip is considered a big deal to God. When we, if we were to look into a verse like Romans one twenty nine, that says they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. It's on, it makes the list of wicked things, gossip. We don't want to fall into it. But in our greater society today, it's become pretty acceptable. In fact, you know, by, by the secular standard of the world, we wouldn't, they wouldn't even rise to the level of, 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 of being morally questionable. 
And it's just, it's just so pervasive. And so even in our churches, uh, we rarely hold up a standard and say, you got to make it to this standard. You got to make it to this standard of righteousness. We don't, we don't tend to talk, uh, think of that in terms of gossip. It's not one of those things that we, we tend to scrutinize. So we got to create a definition for it. Now, once again, using the biblical uh, perspective on, on gossip, we're not going to just say, oh, I'm going to gossip with my friends and have it, have it be the, a neutral thing. You could define it neutrally as if it encompassed all your common talk, but we're not, that's not the definition we're using. We're taking gossip and we're defining it as spreading a bad report. Gossip is spreading a bad report. This is information that is not flattering about someone else. This would lower somebody's opinion, would cause harm to someone's reputation, and it's destructive. So spreading a bad report, that information in that report, I made up four categories for. So we can kind of see what gossip looks like. So we don't want to be surprised. We don't want it to be subtle. We don't want it to creep into our lives. We have four categories of information which would, which would fit into that definition. We have stolen information. Sometimes we spread stolen information. This is truth, but we don't own it. It might be somebody else's news. It might be their bad news. It might be their good news. But when we spread that other person's news... It's like we're stealing that information. It doesn't belong to us, and it can cause harm to our relationships. Second type of information is false information. These are lies that circulate. Sometimes they could be innocent, or sometimes they're malicious. But whether you had a good heart when you spread it, or a bad heart when you spread it, or good intentions or bad intentions, it's careless. And spreading false information is a form of gossip. Third category of information that could be spread in a bad report is lost information. I call it lost information because when the information is third, fourth, fifth, twelfth hand information, has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with the person you're listening or speaking, um, it's so far from home, it's just plain lost. I call that lost information. And finally, we have divisive information. When we just bring up topics that are talked about in an unfruitful way, they cause strife, they cause division. These are controversial topics that we know if we bring this up, it's going to split the room. And so when it gets brought up, it divides people, it wedges in between them. And usually when these things are brought up, um, we don't bring them up to have a fruitful, meaningful, productive conversation. We don't have to be shy about challenging content if we want to talk about this issue. But usually when, the, when this qualifies as divisive information, it's, it's the way in which the content is done that uh, values the information more than the people. So you're not valuing the people in the conversation as much as you are your side. You want to debate this. You want to bring up a position. You want to see what happens when we, we juggle around the topic. Okay, so those are the four categories of information that could qualify uh, as spreading a bad report, according to uh, uh, shining the spotlight on gossip. 
And what is the biblical standard? What is the biblical standard for our expectation now? So we said the society and the secular world, we've kind of made everything okay. You want to talk about this? That's fine. That's fine. But what does the Bible say? We look in our verse, in verse 29, and it says, Do not let any, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful. Any and but only. The standard for our words is 100%. God is taking each word very seriously. And, we're, and, I'm, and, and we see this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. It, Men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Every word is kept track of. In James chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone considers himself righteous, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. So what should our reaction be when we understand that God is tracking our every word? And God is holding mankind accountable to every word. What should our reaction be when James says that if our tongue is not carefully under control, our religion is worthless? What should our reaction be when we see here in Ephesians that only helpful words are the expectation? We have two possible reactions. We can excuse our behavior by dismissing God's standard. And we can uh, attempt to justify ourselves. We can set up our own criteria. We can compare ourselves to someone in the room who struggles more than we do. And we can kind of decide, you know what? Nobody expects 100%. I'm doing pretty good. So we can justify ourselves, excuse our behavior, and, and, and dismiss God's standard. Or our other possible reaction is that we can admit we need God's help in this area. And if we admit we need God's help in this area, then we're arriving at the place that he wants us to arrive at, which is to stop trying to modify our own behavior to, to merit our own righteousness. So when God puts out the 100% standard, he's expecting us to come to him. That's why he wants to have a relationship with us. He's not expecting you on your own power to be able to do this. Otherwise, he would have put it at 85% for that side of the room and 70 or 86. Yeah, 86 for that side of the room. Uh, God's expecting us to come to him in, in, in a relationship. And so he's got this standard out here that only with, with us uniting with him can we possibly live up to it. So we have two possible reactions to the standard. We can try to justify ourselves or we can run to God for help. And that leads us to the next principle about gossip. And that is when we see the words out of your mouths in our verse, that we have to understand the principle that out of our mouths means that our heart overflows into talk. Okay, because God is interested in our heart. He wants our heart. Okay, so out of our mouths, at that 100% standard, is an indicator of where our heart is. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. 
Those things that proceed from the mouth come from the heart. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. For an abundance, for out of an abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Gossip is a heart issue. All of what comes out of our mouths is a heart issue. So if the standard of 100% helpful speech is not being met, we can instantly know what? That our heart isn't right. In order to make our hearts right, we have to take a deeper look at what our identity is and the nature of the heart. So we're going to ask ourselves, what is our identity? The next phrase in the verse says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Okay, so asking what is helpful, what is that supposed to mean? What is building up others? What are, what are their needs? How, how are we supposed to answer these questions? We're going to start by looking at our identity. And our identity is going to clue us in uh, to how God's going to interact with our heart. So, the Bible teaches that if you have accepted Christ into your hearts and received the gift of salvation, you have a new identity. And it's the foundation of your identity which allows God to set your heart free, which then allows you to hit that standard that he's looking for in our speech. And through that identity... And through the helpful speech, we can start looking for building others up. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And as a Christian, we know we have a new spiritual nature. Our old nature is still in us, but it is no longer our master. We've been set free from it, but it's still there. The old nature is still there. The new nature is there. Knowing our heart consists of both an old nature and a new nature keeps the truth in the forefront of our mind, that there is going to be a constant battle as we try to live out our identity as God's children. When we want to do what is helpful, say what is helpful, have speech that is helpful to build others up, what we're needing to do is pull that speech from our new nature, our spiritual nature. The one that where Christ is alive, the one that we're united with God, and the one that Christ modeled for us when he, as a fully human person, walked the earth. He was our example. So for building others up, we need to imitate Christ. Let's look at just a few verses ahead. Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, verse 1, just a few verses ahead. It says, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and as a sacrifice to God. And the word in the New King James Version is imitators. Be imitators of Christ. 
How we build others up is by imitating Christ and knowing that our identity is to be Christ-like. We're image bearers. He is holy and we are to become holy as he is holy. Anything helpful is coming out of a new identity and a new heart empowered by Christ. And he patterned his, a life that we can follow. So he was the way that we, may, we, he, that we were set free from our old nature and made alive. And then we imitate Christ to build on the new life that he gave us in the lives of others. We build on that. That's what this verse is saying. But what is helpful for building others up? We're building them up upon the foundation of their salvation. We are Christ-like in edifying each other to build on this new life. And when we see what Christ did in order to grant us that new life, and what he did uh, to come from heaven to earth, we have a pattern that we can model. And so we just are familiar with the last few weeks of the Christmas story. Before coming to earth as a baby, Christ was a part of the eternal triune God in majesty and power and perfection reigning in heaven. And yet he humbled himself. He came to earth. He became a human. From a, to, a, to a poor family from a nowhere town with hardly any resources, no reputation, he humbled himself all the way there so that he could live his life to be a sacrifice for us, all the way to dying on the cross. His life was a gift to us. And if we're going to model and imitate Christ-like speech, Christ-like behavior, a Christ-like heart, we're going to pattern ourselves after Christ. And I, and I think of Christ, you know, lowering himself all the way to earth to become a gift for us, a sacrifice to us. And then, and then I try to make, and I contrast that to how we behave if we were walking into a room full of people. Okay, we're about to join in a conversation and we see the people all around. We have some of us are looking for the corner to hide in. We have others of us. They're just excited to find out all they can about the lives of others. And then we have others who go in that room wondering what everybody's thinking of them. And each one of those perspectives is self, self, self. Have we, if we pattern ourselves after Christ, what would we think when we walk in the room? You might think, I can sacrifice my time, my own inclinations of self-preservation, my own inclinations of self-exaltation, my own inclinations uh, to, to, to have status, my own inclinations to put myself above people, my own inclinations to demean myself. Because if you were going to walk into a room and pattern yourself after Christ, you have to believe that God has something for you to be blessing other people with in your life. And that is true. And so no matter who you are, Young, old, extrovert, introvert, male, female. God has given you something to bless somebody with in that relationship when you walk into the room. And your blessing is a gift to them. And your denial of your old nature is a sacrifice to do the work of God. 
the same way Christ did. And so we're patterning ourselves after Christ, and we need Christ in order to be building others up. We, and we get to join him in that work. That's the privilege about being his children. We join him in the work of building others up. And next we see according to their needs. We're going to build others up according to their needs. You say, well, what are their needs? How, how will I know this? How does this relate to Christ? Well, we see in Christ, when he was on earth, he concerned himself with needs. Three categories of needs we have. Physical, relational, and spiritual needs. And our words will be helpful if we will understand the needs of others. When Jesus went to see the woman at the well, he started talking to her about a drink of water. Started talking to her about her family situation. Started talking to her about her spiritual life. There's three areas of needs, and he was aware and concerned with all three. If we want to build each other's up according to their needs, we can only accomplish this if we listen. Listeners with a humble and caring spirit are those who are frequently able to be knowledgeable about the needs of others. And James reminds us that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Third, what is our purpose? We see in the last phrase of verse 29 that it may benefit those who listen. It may benefit. So I've already pointed out our heart, our new identity in our heart, leads to helpful speech. But did you know that there are times when we can have our hearts right and we can say something helpful, but it doesn't actually benefit the person? Yeah, life is hard. <laughs> people, people are different. They take things differently. There's different personalities. Life is complex. We have to ask the question, did what I say actually make a positive impact on the other person? It's the next step. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, guides us in this. It says, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do we know what our spiritual gifts are? Are you living out your gifts in each other's lives? When I see that it says it may benefit we can actually take a look and say, in that person's life, even though I meant it for good, even though my heart was in the right place, even though I said something helpful, can I see a positive impact in their life? In order to be able to say yes to that, I probably have to have some sort of a role in that person's life. I probably have to be able to have a relationship that's ongoing. I'm not just randomly talking to people and expecting the work of Christ to, to, to get done in his body. Okay, so if we understand our gifts, we're going to understand how to put them into a role. We're going to understand what our responsibility with that role is. And hopefully, as God orchestrates our involvement in each other's lives, 
that we're matched up with the person and people who, when we talk, they have a positive impact in their lives. So we have to look for that. We have to be intentional. We have to examine ourselves. There's, you know, there's so many books that you, you could get started on in, in terms of, of finding out what it, what it is that God's put in you that you can contribute to the lives of others. So we're not merely to show up to church to see what we can get out of it. We're to be investors in it. And God's going to guide us into a full participation in this church and for his kingdom purposes. And he's got a unique set of gifts and skills and talents in each one of us that will align as a part of the whole body. And when we align our purposes that way, where will our time be spent? Is it going to be idle? Is it going to be chatter? Is it going to be being a busybody? Is it going to be gossiping? Is it going to be harmful talk? It's probably not. Because you're here in the place where you're supposed to be uh, doing the work of equipping believers. And we see the next words that say that it may benefit, that's that impact in someone else's life, those who listen. So look at those who listen. When we are those, we are in the body of Christ. In order for us to be those that listen and being built up together, we must set aside our modern preferences for independence and individualism. And I'm going to take my spirituality and, and walk it down the street to wherever I go home, and this is where I pray, and this is where I'm going to go do this. And it's very singular. Okay, Those who listen is the local church. It's the body of Christ. We need to have unity in the body and think of ourselves as the whole of us as the singular entity. We together are the those. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Just all of us together makes one. Those who listen is one body, united, healthy, listening. Those that listen is a call for us to be together, to impact each other positively, to work intentionally in each other's lives. And, and if we're going to be that close and united, we're going to have to know how to forgive. We're going to have to know how to forgive. So how are we doing in the forgiveness area? How willing are we to pull someone aside to check and see if everything's okay? Don't be afraid of pursuing people and taking on issues that need to be resolved. When we can look across the room and know that there's forgiveness there, and there's forgiveness there, and there's forgiveness there, and there's forgiveness there, that's going to set us all free. Free to build each other up. And be those who listen together. And those that listen is the greater purpose as well of the church. If we are a singular, healthy, local body of believers that is united and is healthy, then we can accomplish the vision of the church. And the vision of the church isn't looking inward, it's looking outward. 
We want to reach others with the love of God. Here at Alliance Bible Church, we have the vision of captivating generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. Will our helpful talk build up those around us and help us fulfill our vision? Let's look at three ways we can apply this verse to our lives. Number one, we want to proactively avoid harmful conversation. So harmful gossip, harmful speech, unwholesome talk needs both a speaker and a listener. Don't crave information that is false, stolen, divisive, or lost. Proverbs 18.8 says the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. And And the best way that we can stop gossip to impede its progress is to make it clear to the person talking to you that you're not interested in the gossip the way they're intending. You want to go ahead and just ask the purpose behind the information. What can I do with what you're sharing with me? Say it however you need to say it. Say it tactfully. Say it lovingly. But find out the purpose. What's, what's going on with what's being said? Beware of the prayer request. I just think we should pray for so-and-so. They're going through such a tough time right now. Oh, really? What's going on? We want to be purposeful. We want to be prayerful. If you're going to bring up a prayer request, stop and pray. And find ways to talk generally about the things that need prayer. You don't have to get into everybody's dirty laundry to stop and pray. You have a purpose in mind when you're sharing and stopping and praying. And that's why we have the, 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 the command to pray continuously. We'll have an immediate gauge on our heart if we're stopping and praying and hearing what's coming out of our mouths. Second thing we can do is be imitators of Christ in humility and sacrifice. Speak the best truth of people. How God sees us is how we should see us. And God, who loved us despite being sinners, who died for us in our wickedness, graciously allowed us to become his children. So do we refer to others in their identity in God or according to their faults? Let's see people how God sees people. And we're reminded in Proverbs 22 that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver or gold. What that's saying is that a person's name, their character, their reputation has far more worth than riches and wealth and money. How do we treat other people's names and reputations? We need to uphold their identity, their name, their reputation as image bearers of Christ. And we need to be generous with our forgiveness. We need to be generous with our forgiveness so that we can all be free to build each other up. Because what's going what's to hold back 
this, the, our, our speech from, from building up others, it's going to be this, the fear of being, uh, saying the wrong thing, which is almost inevitable, and having someone hold that against you. So we have to build forgiveness into our DNA as imitators of Christ. Humble, humble, humbly descending to give himself as a gift and a sacrifice. It's our humility that allows us to forgive. It's our humility that allows us to be a gift to others. Third thing, equip the body of believers. If we want to avoid gossip, it's not going to work for us to simply try hard to watch our words and tame our tongue. We need to reset our desires with a spiritual vision. Okay, so in what ways am I playing a role in the health of my church body? In what ways am I playing a role in the lives of the others around us? So let's so connect this all. Okay, we need to cast a spiritual vision. This isn't about not doing this. Somebody comes up to you and says, "Don't take the cookie. Don't take the cookie. Don't take the cookie." What do you want to do? I'll take the cookie. It sounds delicious. We recast our spiritual vision with what we're supposed to do. Live out the new identity in our nature, in our heart, that Christ was given to us and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Helpful speech will pour out of our hearts. That helpful speech will make a positive impact in somebody else when I've got myself fully participating with my gifts and talents to equip other believers in the local church. That local church will be healthy. It will be united. It will be strong. And that local church will fulfill the vision that it was intended to do. We want to push the vision of our church to those who need God's love. Where is our sight set right now? It doesn't have to be on don't gossip, don't gossip. It has to be on reaching others with God's love. What does God's love look like? comes from a healthy body. The body comes from those who equip each other, who forgive each other. Those comes from making an impact in each other's lives by knowing their needs, their physical needs, their relational needs, their spiritual needs. How are you doing? I'm a good listener. I'm seeing what's going on with you. My speech is helpful. My heart is right with God. So we need to line all that up. It's a new year. Set that new vision. For me, it's writing a personal mission statement. It's figuring out how I can bring it all in alignment. We want to connect all of that together. The proactively avoiding the harmful conversation, being imitators of Christ in humility and sacrifice, and equipping the body of believers. If you line up all that, you'll find yourself on target that you'll fulfill the mandate of Ephesians 4.29. Let's pray together. Lord, we're expected to follow the example of Christ. We're delighted to follow the example of Christ. We know what a gift his life was for us. It set us free. We know that we can't love others like Christ on our own power. Lord, come into our hearts, soften our hearts. Help us see the need that we have to live continuously in a place that is helpful to others, that lends itself to the 
the gifts and the, uh, that you've provided in our lives and to the will that you've uh, laid out for us and the plan that you have for us in our local church. Empower our speech to be consistently helpful to building others up and showing others your love. We ask that you bless our body of believers here at Alliance Bible Church to live in unity of heart and of purpose. And we ask that you will enable us to together spread the good news of your love. Amen.